this is Anna and Brian from Amata World Podcast and today we have our Web3 episode and we have a new guest, Eben, who is like a founder of a Microverse here. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I mean, since this is the Web3 episode, I think we have to say GM. <laughs> <laughs> that is standard greeting. Okay, can you tell a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I always struggle with keeping this short, but I will try to do the, uh, the quick version. Um, so I have a, initially an illustration degree, so I started as an illustrator. I started my first company right out of art school, which was a branding and media agency. Um, so this was at the, the part, the, the high point of Flash taking over the internet for anyone that remembers that. So our kind of sweet spot was high-end interactive web development. Um, that was the first chapter of my career. Uh, and then went into writing, directing, and producing content. A um, little bit of film and television and animation, but primarily in the video game world. So I spent the next decade of my career making content for games. Um, and then uh, the last uh, chapter and the most recent chapter has been in comics and new media. And then kind of the segue from that into Web3, which is where we're now building our company, which is called Microverse. It's really interesting to hear, like, how did you go from, I guess, the, the creative coming from a background in creative, the creative industries and then moving into Web3. And dive a bit deeper into sort of how did you yeah. uh, come across Web3 and what sort of attracted you? So for me, I mean, there's, um, it, it's really a kind of a straight line. There, you know, there are twists and turns, but it all is kind of one story. So one kind of series of, of things that kind of led me from one thing to the next. So I'll, I'll give a little more. I gave the two short versions. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I, you know, I initially started again as an illustrator, designer, you know, I ended up doing everything from branding and, and logo development to web development to, you know, designing books and children's books, um, you know, all kinds of interesting things in that kind of first chapter with the agency. Um, and then, you know, I kind of had this revelation with one of my co-founders who's also been my writing partner for the past 20 years. Um, that we were both kind of in these career trajectories that were fantastic, but also just going to keep us making stuff for other people. And we wanted to go to the other side of that, make our own content, tell our own stories, create our own things. Um, and so we started very traditionally writing a screenplay. We were fortunate enough that that screenplay got options. We ended up in the kind of traditional Hollywood, you know, entertainment world with, uh, you know, we're at CAA, which is one of the big talent agencies that had a ton of pitching, had a TV pilot, which almost, you know, moved forward into a series, but ultimately didn't. And that's where we kind of found our way into video games. Um, and so going from, you know, kind of agency working with clients to then creating our own content with partners, and then ultimately starting our own company, you know, Macroverse started pre the Web3 journey, but really with a, a ethos, which became kind of an elegant segue into Web3, which was we wanted to, to kind of right size the comics industry. And so Macroverse is a, a next generation comics platform primarily, and then also a production company for other types of content media. Um, but our objective, you know, even before we knew the term Web3 was, you know, basically bringing a level of equity for participation and creating what we look at as the next generation of entertainment franchises. And so then when we discovered, you know, this concept of Web3 and the industry, and you know, I had a little bit of understanding of some elements of crypto and blockchain prior to all of this, but didn't really see at that point how it applied to content. And then as we got into, you know, the pandemic and being in the, lots of early clubhouse rooms with people kind of talking about NFTs and the, the unlock that that could be for media and community and fandom, all those dots just connected very seamlessly for us. And so, you know, we made a decision as a startup, like, could we, you know, would we continue to kind of build this Web2 traditional subscription app, which is what we started with, or would we 
pivot into really embracing what we saw as the future of all this, which was enabling ownership and governance and the ability for people to have more to say about things that they might participate in as fans and having you know more rewards and incentives around those things. And all that just felt like the right place for us to go. And so we've you know spent the last 18 months rebuilding our platform on fully Web3 uh, enabled rails, you know, basically enabling a whole new type of digital collectible comics experience. And then the underlying technology around all of that is, you know, designed intentionally to be able to build all kinds of other media and experiences on top of. Um, so, you know, we've, we've embraced a lot of ideas around composability and rewarding participation and community as kind of core members of how we build and create things. Um, and yeah, really feel like this is the future of everything. But I actually want to um, hear more about the, what are you doing, different projects, what are you doing on the microverse? Maybe you can walk us through from the side of like, if I'm a fan, a comic fan, and or if I'm a writer, what, um, how, how does it work? Yeah, perfect. So one of the things that we've developed a thesis around over the last couple of years, is, and, and this is you know working with our own projects, partnering and collaborating with other projects and creators in the space, We've developed what we think is a model for the, the kind of the way that the next generation of entertainment franchises are could, could be built, the way we think they will be built, or certainly the way that we are building them. Um, and so instead of it being what we would call kind of top down, where if you think about a Star Wars or a Marvel you know, movie, for example, like Disney generally drops the movie and then everything falls out of that. So consumer products and, you know, the merchandise and things that you might experience in IRL events and all the kind of ancillary stuff, you know, comes from this very top down, um, you know, you could call it kind of the, the big gatekeepers of the entertainment industry, you know, structure. And we think that the way that the world is moving and the way that the creator economy has gone and now what we kind of think of as what we what we call the participation economy creates a whole different way of building what we think will become franchises at the scale of what we've seen in the past, but are created and uh, you know, rewarding the participants in that process in a, in a very different way. So to try to answer the question more specifically with that context, if you're a fan, we think there's kind of two sides to this participation spectrum. There's one side, which is you're very happy to just maybe pay your Netflix subscription and have access to a bunch of great content. You don't necessarily want to go further than that. You just want to consume this great stuff and enjoy it and talk about it with people. And so what, what community as a context, as opposed to fandom allows for is a deeper level of connection, just as someone that is willing to you know, pay a little bit to be able to have a bunch of great stuff just delivered to you. Then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, it, you will find people that really value ownership and governance and like, I want something to say about this. And so we think those are kind of the two sides of this participation spectrum. But then there's all the space in the middle. And that's where I think it gets really interesting. So as a fan, if you decide, hey, I love this series, and I'll use, you know, I'll use that town as an example because it is one that, that I write and create and produce. Um, so it's one of the series on our platform. By the way, we've got about 50 different series that we have already released and about 40 more in production. So there's a ton of content currently on our platform and a bunch more coming. Um, but Dead Town was the first one that we launched under the Macroverse umbrella. And it's this you know, neo-noir, post-apocalyptic zombie you know, universe, which we, we love. Um, so in that context, you, know, you can go and just download our Web2 app and you know, it's five bucks a month to read Dead Town on the app. 
but we're about to come out with these kind of ultimate edition collectible versions, you know, digital collectible editions uh, through the Web3 side of the business and through that side of the platform, which is a whole different way of interacting and experiencing the series um, and being able to buy, sell, and trade it just like you would a traditional graphic novel. So we're able to reward those activities in different ways. And then what gets really interesting is you might decide, oh, I'm a fan of this series. I've got ideas for characters in this world, for new storylines that might happen in the umbrella of this playground that we you know, think of as dead town and through our discord and through a bunch of activities that we've put in place you can now come create characters in this world actually mint those characters as nfts own those characters in this universe develop storylines around them and actually see those become produced as additional content within the world as well so we have a whole program where you know you can bring characters that you mint within these world that you now own you know learn how to tell stories if you don't already know or if you do not bring those stories to the table, the community gets to vote and participate on which ones go into production. And then we actually produce them. So you get to see those things become real, recognized, canonical content within this universe. And then you own a piece of that character wherever it may go. And so I, I like to think of it as, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan like I am, um, you know, you might have created Boba Fett in the Empire Strikes Back era. And, you know, super cool character. But we, as far as we know, he dies in the Starlight But now there's a whole TV show about him. There's merchandise. There's comics. There's toys. There's, you know, everything else. And this is the opportunity to develop that kind of a character in the context of this larger universe and participate in the upside of that forever. And so it's, it's all those things combined that we think, you know, creates a whole different way of thinking about how do we build, again, these kind of next generation of franchises that some people will just experience as great content. Some people will have, you know, the, the desire to collect elements of those things as collectors. And some people really want to jump in and participate in building these things out in a bigger way. I think that's one of the things I really like about a lot of Web3 project, projects. You know, it, it seems like Web3, anyone who's coming into Web3 is sort of like, um, like rethinking how we can sort of monetize and, you know, transfer ownership of a lot of these digital assets. The, the first thing that came to mind when you were talking about like uh, this new model is the right to strike that is currently going on in the States. Um, like, what, what do you have to say to that? Is Do you think what you're doing is addressing some of the core issues that look, a lot of these writers are afraid of? It's interesting. I mean, I think there's, there's certainly relevance to the conversation of just what the Hollywood machine is. Um, I think that the specific issues that the writers have, which by the way, I am definitely team writer in this conversation, um, but I think a lot of the specific issues around you know, AI and some of those concerns are very legitimate valid concerns. The biggest issue, which I think we don't necessarily address head on, but there's certainly relevance here, is that from a especially television production standpoint, um, you know, the way that the industry has always worked is that you would learn from the people that had already done it successfully how to do that job. And so, you know, the way, if anyone isn't familiar with the way that television gets produced is that, you know, you actually, at least traditionally, you would have a showrunner, which is kind of the end all be all, you know, kind of decision maker on a particular show. And then you have a team of writers that will create, you know, together all these episodes of your favorite shows. And in tradition, traditionally, the way that that would work is that you would start as a very junior level writer, but you would be able to go through the whole process and see how each episode was made. And so over the course of your experience on a particular show, you would be in the editing room. You would understand how choices were getting made on set. You would be able to see you know, what directors are doing with particular actors and how they're crafting a particular scene that either you wrote or that maybe you had some input in. Um, so you're you're learning on the job this kind of apprentice style you know system how to become someone that knows how to make television. And what's happened over the past couple of years is that they've 
really eroded that system. So that, that, that level of apprenticeship of learning as a junior writer, how to become a senior writer, how to become a producer, how to become a showrunner, which is a very clear progression, just doesn't exist now. And that's, in a way, really, you know, Hollywood shooting themselves in the foot, because where do we get the next 10 years of television if no one knows how to make it anymore? <laughs> or it's a very, very select group of people. So, you know, I think to me, that's the biggest issue that they're dealing with you know, in the, at the core of what's happening in the strike. And of course there are other issues around pay and, you know, some rules that are making it more challenging to make a living as a writer. And so, you know, all that's happening over there. I think the biggest correlation to what we're doing is that we're not only saying, you know, you can come and see your ideas become real content, but similarly, we are bringing people along for that ride. So if you pitch a story idea in our discord with one of our characters in these worlds that we have, and that gets you know voted on to become a storyline that's going to be developed into a comic series. You may have never even thought about writing comics before, but you're going to get invited behind the curtain to go through that whole process to see you know when the first sketches come in from the artists that we're working with that we bring onto the project to you know have feedback on any additional tweaks to the scripts and you know kind of bringing those things all the way from concept to final product. And so it's a way of allowing not only someone that you know, may have already known they wanted to create content like that into the, the process, but it could, and it has been literally someone, you know, we've got people that have never thought about, you know, writing and creating comics or stories in this way that have been able to kind of go through that whole, whole process and see their, their idea become a real product and ultimately get released and ultimately generate revenue back to them and all those things. So I, I think that's the place where I think, you know, we, we believe we will discover some new talent, and at the very least, enable people to create stuff that they might have never been able to create before uh, in this way that you know, would be very challenging without this structure around aligned incentives and, and digital collectability and ownership and you know, all those things. So those, those kind of core tenets enable this in a way that um, you know, is just challenging in a, in a more traditional sense. I think that's where I see the biggest alignment is that you know, kind of coming behind the curtain, learning how to create these things, and then being able to go on and do more. As a quick side note for anyone that's listening to this, I, you know, I got a shout out to several of our community members who have not only been able to see stuff produced within the context of Macroverse, but we've seen them go off into other communities and create stories or win lore contests and you know, those sorts of things. And you know, I, I won't take any credit for that because it's their own incredible creative work, but you know, we certainly help facilitate some of them learning that they have that kind of ability or understanding storytelling a little better or... Um, you know, even just having that desire. So it's been very cool to see that evolve over the past, you know, year and a half or so. It's kind of interesting that you're actually helping people, if they have some ideas uh, or some specific characters, to become a part of this universe and actively participate rather than just stay at their idea stage. Um, and as well as just when, I think we try to look at some of the bits, even for the writers, and if you're like producing comics, if you're trying to sell it on, say, on Amazon Prime, you will not get a lot back so it's just like you, you're actually trying to solve the very big issue um that the the writers the ip holders actually not getting a lot of oh 100 percent. i mean the comics industry where, where where we started again kind of pre-web 3 the reason we launched this app to begin with was looking at the comics industry and as much as i am a you know i always have been a big comics fan this is a 50 year old business model that just doesn't work like it is just fundamentally broken and you know the biggest comics platform on the planet is called webtoon They've done an incredible job of building an audience. They've got about 100 million monthly active users, you know, billions of page views, you know, tons of people publishing on their platform. 
but the economics are terrible. It's worse than Spotify for, you know, musicians. It's worse than YouTube for content creators on YouTube. It's just, you know, really challenging, even when you've developed a big audience to make any sort of money on what is the largest comics publisher and platform, you know, on the planet. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, you know, these are the people that are spending, you know, time and passion and energy making stuff that, yes, they want to make, but also that when they connect with an audience and you've got millions of subscribers on a platform and you're making, you know, a few thousand dollars a month, like that makes zero sense. And so, you know, we started initially with the, a, a different approach to, you know, how to tackle that. And then what these kind of tools and technologies around Web3 enable us to do is to take that, you know, 10 times further as far as being able to right-size that for creators, allow ownership of IP in a bunch of different ways, you know, bring fandom into the process as we just talked about. And for creators that, you know, have been struggling as independents, you know, you're still going to have some of those challenges, but if it works in the system that we've built, it really works. And if it works in the Web2 version of that, it still doesn't work. So it's a, you know, it's a very easy proposition to see, you know, if we, if we find our way to even a fraction of the audience that, you know, has been developed on traditional platforms, people are doing, you know, 10x, 100x better than they were on those platforms. I just want to go back to, say, uh, the topic of Web3 again. And like right now, I think it's a bit of like uh, a crypto winter for a lot of projects. Many projects are kind of um, sort of, I guess, hunkering down after taking a hit from, you know, for example, like the, the bad press from FTX last year and then go, coming into like the new year, you know, AI just taking the forefront of everything. Like how how is um, Macroverse dealing with such this crypto winter? So like, it's a great question. I think, you know, we see a lot of those challenges, obviously, you know, we're, we're in the conversation every day. Um, you know, I, I, I always have to preface this by saying, obviously, there are people that, you know, have been very badly affected in what's happened in the market over the past, you know, months, let alone the past year. Um, and so, you know, not to say anything that is uh, not recognizing that, you know, people have been have been hurt by that, you know, especially financially, if you got overextended or thought things were, you know, up only and they weren't. Um, and for the the way that we look at the industry as a whole, I honestly think this is an essential. You know, I think this market is essential to get to where I believe we're going to see. You know, these these things become more and more and more a part of just everything that we interact with, whether we know it or not. And so, you know, this is not something that some people like to hear, but I I can't tell you a reason why a JPEG, you know, an NFT of a Board Ape or an Azuki or, you know, some of the top projects, like, I can't tell you why that should be worth $100,000. Um, in fact, I can make many more arguments as to why it can't be worth $100,000. So I, I think we're seeing something which coming from, again, kind of the perspective of comics is an interesting, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes kind of a conversation. So for me, like, I feel like I saw this exact same thing happen or very similar thing happen in the 90s where there was a huge speculator bubble around the comics industry. And you had, you know, people literally who had never bought a comic before going into comic stores, buying 10 copies of whatever the, you know, the hot thing was literally thinking that this was going to be like their kid's college fund, or, you know, we're going to flip this for, you know, a hundred X, you know, a, a few months from now. And like, that was the same exact mentality of, you know, a lot of what we've seen in this you know, speculator market around NFTs, especially. Um, I think the way this has to shake out is kind of the way things just work in the rest of the world. I think we've got, we, we got a little blindsided by thinking that we were doing something so special and miraculous that it was going to instantly, you know, change everything. When I think that 
the tools, the technologies, the fundamentals are so undisputably sound that like this is not going anywhere. And anyone thinks that, you know, NFTs are dead or blockchain is a pipe dream or any of that, like that's just not true. Like this stuff is already here. It's not going anywhere. But how we use it, how we interact with it, you know, the especially the kind of immediate return on quote unquote investment, which 99% of the time is not an investment anyway. It's, you know, a collector's mentality, uh, collecting, you know, to flip kind of a, a, you know, approach to a lot of this stuff. Um, that's just not sustainable. We've seen that it's not sustainable. And so I think people have to start thinking about these things, you know, I, I think more along the lines of the way that we do, which is, you know, just because you buy something doesn't mean that it is valuable. What makes it valuable is that it has some sort of connection to people, that there's some sort of impact that that thing has on culture, that it has some sort of emotional connection to the person that bought it. And so I think comics are a really interesting lens through which to look at this, where it's like some of those comics that got bought in that speculator bubble, you know, two years later, you were finding them for 25 cents, you know, lots of them for 25 cents in, you know, these quarter bins and comic stores. Now, 20 years later, some of them are very valuable. Some of them are, you know, selling for millions of dollars, which is, you know, kind of what people thought they would. Some of them are still completely worthless. So I think we're going to see 100% the same thing where, you know, maybe a board ape 20 years from now is worth $20 million. But maybe the price right now really should be 100 bucks, you know, and the market will kind of toss that as things develop. But I think it's, it's going to take time. And I think it's going to take a similar kind of time for us to find what are the things that are meaningful, that have real long-term cultural impact. And that's going to have some sort of value accrual to it in the same way that comics or sports cards or any other sort of collectibles do. And then maybe some extra benefits because you've got composability and other, other things that the technology enables that can unlock things that couldn't be unlocked before. But I think Overall, I think we just we need a mental shift to go along with this bear market, which is less about getting rich quick and more about what does this technology let us do that we couldn't do before? And how do we make that interesting and appealing and exciting for people that aren't yet familiar with it? That's cool. I, I feel like there's a lot of parallels in you know what the Web3 and NFT universe is doing now to what the comic book scene was like before. So it feels like it's like a very a good fit for the technology and the application. It, it is. I mean, and that was, I mean, that really was the kind of very easy light bulb moment for us when we you know, started learning about this space is that, you know, comics and collectability have just always been inherently, you know, part of the equation. And there's never been a good way to do that digitally. And this allows that to happen in a way that actually means something and is not just pretend. Um, and so, you know, that was where we started and everything else we talked about is going to come from the exploration of what could we do around and on top of that and with people and community and you know, all those different aspects. I'm actually curious about your hopes and predictions for the web free fields and microverse. My, my hopes and predictions. So, I mean, the, the superpower that we have as a founding team, so myself and my two co-founders, you know, Adam Martin and Ricky Ricavina, um, you know, Adam has 20 plus years of experience in film and television. Uh, Ricky has 20 plus years of experience in gaming. And I don't know of another team that has literally made all the content that we say that we want to make. Um, so we're not, you know, we're not coming in, we, we've all, you know, run companies and started companies as well. But the fundamental, I think, power that we have is that when we talk about making a TV show or an animation or a game or like any of the things that we you know, do ultimately plan on doing within the context of these worlds and franchises that we're building, like we actually not only have done it, but we know how to do it from a fundamental kind of first principles perspective. So, you know, when we talk about making comics, like I 
intimately know how to make comics and have done it, you know, now for years. When we talk about making video games, like, which is, you know, Ricky would say is the hardest thing anyone could ever make. <laughs> um, you know, we know every piece of how that needs to come together to, you know, not only get produced, but he's personally responsible for 100 million plus downloads of mobile games and billions of dollars in revenue. When we talk about, you know, making film and television, you know, Adam has been in production on everything from the first Transformers movie to the last season of Barry um, and, you know, everything in between. So, you know, it's like we, we really have fundamental understandings and skills around how these different pieces work. And so when we look at what needs to happen for something that is at the scale of a Star Wars or a Game of Thrones or, you know, these kind of, you know, the MCU, like any of the kind of biggest entertainment franchises that we've seen develop over the last 20 years, like we see the puzzle pieces and we feel that we know how to put those pieces together. And so the exciting place that we're in is that we do believe we will get there. We will build these things that cross these different formats that engage people in all these different ways. But by doing it with these Web3 rails, we get to do all kinds of things that couldn't have been done before around composability, around interactivity, around being able to, you know, engage with something over here on the comic side, and it could have a real impact on the game side or on the, the animation side. And so as we build these things bigger and bigger, we think the opportunities for creators, the opportunities for fans and participants at every level just become so much larger and so much more attractive than is even possible in the traditional you know, sense of creating media, that that's the stuff that gets me really excited. So we're, you know, we're very focused on where we're at right now, getting ready to launch this kind of first of its kind Web3 Comics platform. But the real end game is you know, really building a new kind of studio that uh, you know, allows us to create things across all these different formats and platforms and bring people into that in a way that you know, you've just never been able to do before. Thank you so much for that. I feel, I feel like we could talk for hours about this whole topic, but unfortunately we do have, you know, just, we definitely, <laughs> we definitely could, could, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, unfortunately, I think we're reaching the end of the podcast. Um, so I wanted to give you like the uh, bit of time at the end just to, I don't know, put any shout outs or how can people get in touch? How can they find out more about what Macroverse is doing, what you your co-founders get up to 100 so um yeah i mean the, there's a couple of ways to connect if any of this is, is interesting to you um so if you're you know if you're just in the like hey i would love to see what you guys make and you know check out some of the the comics and the stories in these worlds you know we do have a live mobile app on ios and android uh, if you look for Macroverse, it says Macroverse Next Generation Comics and um you know we've got about 50 series and about a thousand episodes of content on the app it's a you know very affordable subscription, and just so you know, like one of the the main differences between us and any of the other comics apps out there is that you know fifty percent of the subscription price goes directly back to the creators that make the content for the app. So we're you know compared to about you know one to two percent of anything else that's out there, you're directly supporting the creators that make this great stuff. Um, so that's you know the easy way to kind of just check out what we're doing on the content side. If any of the rest of you know how you can get involved and perhaps get engaged in the community and in the creative part of what we do and you know, maybe see yourself as someone that either is a creator or is interested in exploring being a creator, then the best place to connect with us is in our Discord, which is discord.gg slash macroverse. Um, I'm in there all the time. My partners are in there all the time. We've got an incredible community of you know people that are engaged at all kinds of different places. Some of them have seen their own you know characters become these stories that we talked about. Some of them are just hanging out and chatting. 
Um, but it's a great group of people and, you know, very welcoming for anyone to come and join. Um, and then finally, if you're interested in the collectible side of what we're doing, Macroverse.com is our website and we're currently getting people onto our pre-net list for what will be the first collection of these digital collectible uh, comics. Um, and uh, we're doing something that has never been done before. We're packaging all of the content into the NFTs themselves. So rather than it being something where you buy a piece of cover art and then you read a PDF on a web page, we've designed and developed a whole unique, very engaging experience that's all digitally native, um, where when you buy these digital collectible versions, the whole graphic novel is packaged into that collectible edition. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so if you're interested in that, you know, again, the pre-mint pre link is up on the website at macroverse.com. And uh, then you'll be first in line for what will be a very limited edition of the first uh, first collection. Um, and yeah, those are kind of the main places. So mobile app, Discord, and um, and uh, the, the pre-mint for this first collection. I'm also on Twitter at Ebonverse if you want to talk to me directly or at Macroverse if you want to know more about what the company is up to. And uh, yeah, those are, those are the main places. Great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Great having you. Thank you. Yeah, you guys were fantastic. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>